When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you in association with Paddy Power. Get a free £20 bet when you sign up and bet a tenner at paddypower.com slash the Spurs show. Gilsing, 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 Gilsing. Born is the king of White Hart Lane. Gilsing, Gilsing. Here he comes, ghosting in at the far post, the man himself, Mr. Alan Gilzine, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for that. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see if we can go home now. <laughs> so um, this is going out live on um, Mixler.com. We're going to record the podcast as we normally do, just with 350 of you in here as well. Um, so we we'll wait for Phil, we're just, and we'll just go straight into the show. If we've got time, if we've got time, we'll, we'll try and get some questions from, the, from you guys as well. Okay. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Spurs Show Live! Yeah. <laughs> oh, look what's happened. I don't know if anyone's watching on the electric television, but that's not supposed to happen. Anyway, it's great, though, because it's really live. We haven't, this is actually happening live. This is a live version of the Spurs Show, and we've got a wonderful audience here in a place... Oh, beautiful. They're lovely, aren't they? Lovely lot. I don't care what anyone says, you're still my (laughs) favourite. Yes, anyway. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Oh, dear. Story of my life. (laughs) Mr. Topical. Anyway. (laughs) Right, and we've got a very special show uh, for you tonight, and I think people are listening live, Michael. Yeah, live on Mixer.com. 
Yeah, how about that? So we're all going live, folks, to, to sound, sound like you're interested. <laughs> I know you, you've come to Dingwalls, you know, it's a tourist attraction. It's actually not called Dingwalls anymore, it's called Highlights. Anyway, uh, this is the Spurs Show Live, and tonight it's very special uh, because we have uh, two guests on here who uh, obviously uh, uh, Tottenham fans will be familiar with. I sincerely flipping hope so if you follow this great club of ours sitting to my right is a gentleman uh, called Mr. Alan Gilzine uh, who, who only managed 133 goals you know really kidding 133 in 343 appearances that's not bad is it that's quite a good return, isn't it, mate? Yeah, well, <laughs> Should get him in. Move in. Yeah, quite we- good. I had a better scoring record at Dundee in Scotland. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, Scot- <laughs> Scottish football is easier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and that record that Gilly's talking about was 169 and 190. Ronaldo-esque, I say. Messi-esque, if you can say that. And to his right, to his right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, uh, the, the Spurs goalkeeper, the Spurs goalkeeper, Pat Jennings. Beautiful. Ah, oh, beautiful. Um, <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Uh, and, of course, not forgetting Mr Mike Lee, who's here. Thank you Mike. for coming out on a Monday night. Thank you very much. It's good to see you out on a Monday night. Mate. Yeah, for those who can't see you here, there's, there's a lot of people here, and it's very hot. It is, actually. It, it is. Very, very uh, you're schwitzing there, yeah, mate, I as they am. say. Jackie Mason would say. <clears throat> um, Okay, so what have we got here, Mike? So now then, oh, well, it's a special show. Right. We're not going to do the normal stuff about. Hopefully, by the end, we'll talk about the present team and how how we've done this week. But uh, okay. we're going to hand this over to Alan and Pat, really, and ask them yeah. some questions. Sure, sure. Thank, boys, thanks for coming on, mate, and sitting in front of this mob of people. What a crowd! Biggest crowd uh, I played to for I don't know long. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> love it. No. Uh, that's great. Um, right, this is, this is a, actually a question. I want to. We'll start with a question here, Mike. Question to both of you. Right, you joined. You both joined Tottenham at the same time in 1964, where you were seen as eventual replacements for Bill Brown and, in your case, uh, Gilly Bobby Smith. Uh, do you know when you were both um, scouted by Spurs and the circumstances that got you to White Hart Lane? I don't know who wants to start that. I mean, do you know when you were Alan? Well, I uh, first of all I asked for a transfer from Dundee. And uh, basically because when I was a young lad, my ambition was to play at Wembley in a FA Cup final. And I was desperate to play at Wembley in an FA Cup final. So Dundee didn't want to sell me, but then eventually they, they allowed me to leave. But they wanted me to join Sunderland. And uh, I, look, I looked at Sunderland's record at going to Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they didn't get I think they were in my lifetime they've only been there once and uh, Tottenham obviously was after the great double side and yeah, yeah, they had which... the flavour of going there and uh, basically I wanted to come to Tottenham but uh, 
I was three months on the dole. I had to sign on the dole. Dundee wouldn't leave, let me go, and they wouldn't pay my wages, so I had to sign on the dole. So eventually it came to, came to a deadlock that Bill Nicholson, Bill Nicholson agreed a fee with uh, Sunderland, uh, with, sorry, with Dundee. And uh, I met Bill Nicholson at Dundee, and uh, within a couple of days I decided Tottenham was my club. But funny, I met tonight the great John White's son. Yeah, Rob White. And he's, uh, he's among us tonight. I, right. I was John White's roommate with Scotland, and it was John who really talked me into signing for Tottenham Hotspur. And I was greatly indebted to John for yeah. doing that. But unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure no, to, play to play in the white with shirt yeah. with him. So that basically was. Yeah. How I came to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, well, that's great. Brilliant. That's great, Gilly. Cheers, mate. That's lovely. And, uh, and for you, Pat, for you, mate, you know, from Watford. And uh, well, I joined from Watford, uh, literally. I got picked to play for the Irish youth team uh, whenever I was 17 from playing from a local club, Newry Town. And believe it or not, whenever I got picked to play to go and represent Ireland, I wasn't fussy. I'd never been any further south in Dublin, any further north in Belfast at 17. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know whether I wanted to go to England to play in a European competition. <clears throat> but uh, I got picked a player for Northern Ireland. We still had to go down to play the south. We finish up uh, winning, and now I'm going to play in a European youth tournament. We finish up unbelievably 10 days later in the final at Wembley. So if you can imagine what a thrill that was, literally... Uh, in those days, unless you played in an FA Cup final or played for England or your country, nobody ever got you to play at Wembley. Play at Wembley no. So that was how lucky I was. I was back at work on Monday, and then the next thing I got to go to train that night at Newry, and a couple of clubs were in for me, Watford and Jimmy Hill from Coventry. Uh, signed for Watford the four games to go at the end of that season. They didn't play me the first two games because they were in danger of being relegated. Uh, played, <laughs> got themselves out of relegation, but... Uh, and uh, I played the last two games that season and then went all the way through the next season, played every game the next season and we missed promotion from the second to the third. So we went from a relegation threatened team one year and the next year we missed promotion by a point. So I obviously had a fantastic year and it's, as you know, Watford's just outside London and uh, I was getting a lot of good press for the local papers and that, so... Uh, I went home again the next year to Ireland holiday and I get a call through the close season to come back that, uh, by the way, he wanted me back. Bill McGarry was the manager. He wanted me back to do some extra training. So he picked me up at Heathrow and said, do you know why you're here, son? I said, no, uh, I believe I'm back to do some extra training. He said, well, actually, no, the great man himself, Bill Nicholson's waiting for you at Vicarage at, uh, Road. So that was me, went back. Yeah. And believe it or not, I didn't sign that day. And uh, I went back home to Ireland without signing. It was a money problem, not like Gilly, <laughs> but more or less. <laughs> uh, I think Watford had paid 6500 for me one year, and uh, then I'd been sold. I asked Bill McGarry what was the fee was. He said, none of your business. <laughs> so... It wasn't the day nowadays. Agents know first what the fees are, and they're getting a cut of the transfer. Yeah. And I didn't know on those days that you weren't eligible to have a cut of the transfer. So I actually went back home without signing, and 
then afterward a week I got a, a letter from Bill to say have you thought any more about your move to Tottenham because if you don't want to sign I've got to go and get somebody else so within a couple of days then Watford were on and they actually came to Belfast and uh, I signed uh, on the night in Belfast signed a two year contract uh, it was like getting blood out of a stone, getting money from Bill Nick. You probably yeah, found I that heard, as well, didn't I? Yeah, I heard yeah. that. I heard that. Unbelievable. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, yeah. Alan, but, Alan. Um, I've got to tell you as well, yeah. my first contract uh, with Watford was £23 a week and 25 and made the first team. And believe it or not, I thought I'd won the pools. Couldn't believe it. So now I'm joining the great Tottenham. And uh, Bill said, right, your wages will be £35 a week. Wow. I said... Bill, I'm on, I take home 34, 35 pound a week at Watford. So he obviously didn't believe me. He said, I can check on that. <laughs> so, and I said, plus the fact, Bill, I'm an international as well. I'd actually played a couple of games for, uh, for Northern Ireland from Watford. He says, you're no international son. Typical of Bill. So I finished up anyway. Eventually I signed a contract for uh, 40 pound a week. And ten, ten pound of a played in the first team. So after I'm there about two, three years, and the boys said to me, the older boys, "Look, you must be due another contract." So I plucked up courage to ah. go and say to Bill, "Bill, uh, I'm due to sign a new contract." So he sat back. He says, "What are you on now?" I said, "Forty pound a week <laughs> and a tenner appearance." And I said, "I'm in the team every week." So he thought about it for a while. He says, uh, "Right." I'll put you up to £45 a week and knock, knock you back to a fiver appearance. Yeah, and that's true. Is that, is that true? That's, that's true. Pat, that's true. Yeah? Laughing. We, we've heard, he, he knows what he was like with the money. We, we've heard this before, Mike, haven't we? It's quite a theme, this, isn't it? We've Absolutely. Heard this before, Alan, I, I read as well that you, you, you almost went to Torino in Italy. Is that correct? No, I had the chance. Uh, to, I talked terms with Torino in Italy, but... Uh, it was just after Jimmy Greaves and Dennis Law had played in Italy, and uh, I talked to Greavesy, and Greavesy reckoned it was like a prison sentence. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't like it at all. But, uh, and I also talked with Dennis Law, and Dennis said, no, it wasn't for him. And Joe Baker was also there, and yeah. uh, they, they didn't fancy it. But uh, the money was very good. What they offered was very good, but... Uh, I'd played in, for Dundee in the semi-final of the European Cup, home and away against AC Milan, and uh, the, the, yeah. the tactics they used against us was terrible. They were gobbing in your eyes and everything. Horrible. But uh, I, I don't regret turning them down because I had ten wonderful years. At well, we're really glad you didn't turn them down. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, there's a qu- uh, Pat, Pat, I just want to ask you here, you, you, you only played, uh, you'd only played a season at Watford, as you say, before signing for Spurs. How easy was it to actually adjust from um, the old third division, as it then was, to playing for Tottenham? How easy was the adjustment, mate? To be honest, I mean, as I said, I started at 17, uh, 15 months early, and playing the Irish B League. So, I mean, it was just a matter of somebody put me on the next rung of the ladder, and uh, yeah. I was, ignorance was bliss as far as I yeah. was concerned. No fear. I'd obviously had a great year at Watford, and then all of a sudden I'm hitting the first division. And I thought in the early days I was doing well, getting the party shots, not holding them, and somebody was on your bootlaces knocking them in. And that was the difference. I wasn't learn, long learning, you know. But I more or less uh, 
I spent the first two years, I got into the team the second part of the second year that I was at the club, shared with Bill Brown, with Bill a year Brown, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, got in then the second part of the second year and went all the way through for the next 13 years. Was John Hollibred there still? Or was he, uh, he no, he had gone. Oh, he'd gone, yeah. he was back. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple yeah. of young ones there at that time, Roy Brown and... Questions to both of you. You already touched on Bill Nick. To you, Anna, what was it? What was he like to, to work for, to work under? Well, I, I never had much to do with him actually, because uh, <laughs> I was only in his office twice in ten years. <laughs> I was, and that was to resign. And uh, like, it's it's impossible to say. It was all, he moaned a lot, but. <laughs> After games, if you Christ Gillian, you should yeah. have been doing this and you should have been doing that. But he was a very honest man, you know. But uh, you knew where you were with him. You knew where you were. We immediately laid down what you wanted, expected of you. And I had it a wee bit hard to begin with because he expected to me to go around like Bobby Smith, knocking people for six and all that. And that wasn't in my style. And uh, he kept saying, Bobby Smith would have had that goalkeeper in the net and things like that. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm sorry, you better go and get Bobby Smith back again. <laughs> you know, but but to, be, to be fair to him, he was always good to me and uh, he listened to me and all that. But as I say, I was only twice in his office in ten years, so he must have liked me. <laughs> Yeah, and, Pat, and, and for you, I mean, you know, obviously a goalkeeper is such a specialist position, and if, if you make not, thankfully, didn't make many mistakes for Spurs, you make a mistake, it's 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 magnified. What, what was he like? Yeah, but he just expected to do the, the ordinary things well. That was him. And if you could come out and catch ten <coughs> crosses, and he would yeah. want to want to know about the one that you didn't catch. You know, Sam McGilly, he could score two or three goals one day and miss a chance, and he would want to know about the one you missed. It was just expected of you, you know. I think in all the years I was there, we went after, I don't know, many years in the UEFA Cup, we played grasshoppers. And uh, we won, I think, four or five on the night, Gilly. Mm. You would have been playing that night. Mm. Won it easily, but I had somehow made five or six saves in the match. And uh, whenever I came in after the match, I sat mm. down and he said to the team, to these, you lot, he said, you should give your goalkeeper your bonus money tonight. And that was the only compliment he ever paid me in all the years. <laughs> That's great. Never, That's one no, more than me. Never, <laughs> never went overboard. I mean, he was unbelievable in terms of round the dressing room half an hour before kick-off and round every player. He would have told me who I was playing against the opposition, what the wingers were, what they were liable to do, what the strengths good in the air, who might come through from midfield. His preparation was good. Yeah, His preparation the same was exactly yeah. Gilly, didn't he? Round every player half an hour before kick-off. There was no videos in those days, and, but that was it. He was no, so no, thorough. Of course. And I can honestly say, I've said this so many times, all the managers I've worked with at a club since, at international level, club level, I've never heard anything new that I haven't heard from Bill Nick 50 ah, years ago. Bill Nickerson. Un- unbelievable manager. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask um, Alan um, uh, here about your, your partnership with uh, Greavesy, yeah? um, the G-men, as you're both known as. Um, it's probably the probably the greatest striking partnership the club's ever seen. Um, why do you think it works so well, Gilly, with with Greavesy? Well, I can remember watching Chelsea on the television, and the four the two strikers were David Cliss and Jimmy Greaves, and I remember saying to myself, "Christ, this guy's some player." And a few years passed, 
And then I went to watch Scotland playing at Wembley and England thrashed us 9-3. Uh, not, not too There's many no Scots need. in here, Annie. There's no need for that. Any, anyhow, England thrashed us 9-3 and Greaves here on a mock. And the following week he was away to Italy. And then the next time I bumped into him, I played for the Scotland under-23s at Aberdeen. And uh, Greaves, he was in the opposition. And again, they beat us. So when it comes to time to sign for somebody, I say, if you can't beat them, you've got to join them, haven't you? <laughs> it's as easy as that. But when you line up with a guy, like, he was so unassuming, no big-headedness at all, right down-to-earth guy... But when he got on that park, ah, oh, he was quick silver. He was so quick, wasn't he? He was quick yeah. silver, and his awareness and his calmness under pressure. And I've said recently, when I watch Lionel Messi now, yeah. that was like watching Greavesy all these years ago. Greavesy yeah. was that good. He was that good at Kelly, yeah. I, I think, yeah. yeah. And, and it, it broke my heart the day he left Tottenham because. I don't think he... I think he was rushed into leaving Tottenham with for a swap for, for for Peters, with yeah. Martin Peters. But it, it, he seemed to lose faith in his own ability then, and that was very sad because he was one hell of a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Perhaps. great. <laughs> Question for... Yeah, just talking about Greasy, for me there was nobody to touch him. I, I say that every week, uh, just in the class of his own. Unbelievable. And uh, for me, my first international play in England at, at, uh, at Wembley, first year I played against England, we were 3-0 down at half time. Greavesy had got 3 on. Finished up, I think, at the end of the match, we lost 4-3, got back in the second half. But that was my mate Jim, three goals against me. And as Gilly said, uh, I had so many years of regrets afterwards, thinking somehow I must have been able to do a deal to keep to, to obviously buy Martin Peters and keep him at the club because I think he could have played for Tottenham for the next five or six years. Exactly. He came back every international, your international, our uh, testimonials, Gilly. He scored in mine, scored in Gilly's. Every international, he just came back. He'd been away from the game five or six years and scored for fun. Unbelievable play. And for me, from looking back my early days, I obviously struggled, didn't know what was required in the, in the first division. And I probably cost him, I don't know how many bonuses, but he'd come in after matches, put his arm around me and say, son, don't worry, you're going to be the best. And I've never forgotten him for that. No. As Gilly said, no, he was so Jimmy Greaves. Person, you know? Jimmy Greaves. Right. Yeah. Um, as a goalkeeper, as the Spurs fans out there, we've, we've had a few good goalkeepers in our time. We've had a lot of terrible a few. ones. So yeah, we've had a few. Terrible yeah. keepers. Uh, how, how important was it in that team for you to have a, a relatively stable back four? You look at now, through injuries or rotations, we, we don't seem to have a, a, a you know, week in, week out the same back four. When you were playing that sort of mid-60s team, what was the sort of back four in front of you and how, how does that shape your game? Uh, without a doubt, I mean, you, you get stability playing with people that you know week in, week out. Mm. And uh, after uh, we joined, the great Mike England joined us. And I mean, what a centre-half Mike was. Oh, yeah, 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 he was one of the best. He Fantastic. was, he was so one of the best. Dominant in the air. Uh, if he didn't get them, I got them. And I mean, in those days, everybody played with wingers. The crosses used to come in with snow on them. 
So if I didn't get them, Mike got them. So with no danger, with two unbelievable fullbacks in Cyril Knowles. In the early days, I followed uh, Ron Henry. Peter Baker was on the other side, but then Joe Kinnear and, and Cyril. And uh, my safety uh, net was Phil Beale uh, alongside Mike. He was my follow-up merchant. I used to say to him, Phil, and everybody before I went out, follow-up guys, and uh, if I lost it or parried a shot or made half a save, Phil was always there to clean up. So uh, that's sort of it. I mean, for me, that was so important. Yeah. But, I mean, the team, uh, unfortunately, we were trying to emulate or follow the great, the double-winning team, and all these new players were coming together. The same as we've got a problem now with so many new players. But uh, somehow would would seem to jail quicker. But having said that, that was always the problems were set. Uh, that the team was never going to be as good or trying to be as good as uh, the sixty sixty one team. Um, right, I was going to say, ask you a question, both for both of you. Your first medals for Spurs were the sixty seven Cup final win uh, against Chelsea. Um, Jimmy Robertson, Frank Saul. Uh, we remember what what are your memories of that cup run, Gillian Pat. And, and the final. Gilly? Yeah. yeah, well, the early rounds, I can remember... Birmingham, Millwall. Birma- Birmingham, we drew Birmingham and I think we thrashed, uh, six. thrashed them at six. six or so at White Hart Lane. Then we had a difficult time, Millwall away, and we come away with a draw there, and it wasn't a good good game, the second game either. We stra- scraped through at White Hart Lane 1-0, but we didn't play well. But after that, we started to play, and uh, the cup final, well, that was special. It's special yeah. for everybody, the FA Cup final, because I don't think, like, when comes May time and the cherry blossoms out, it's great for footballers to go around that North Circular Road, especially from Tottenham, with all um, the blue and white flags out, you know? That, that is a special and was that your, Was that your dream? That was your dream, to play at Wembley that, that in the was, Cup Final as a kid? Was, sort that of was one of the reasons to sign for Tottenham. That was my dream. It must have been unbelievable, England, sort of oh, walking out. And, like, to, to win it and all that, and the camaraderie after the game, you had Dave Mackay saying to Joe Kinnear, Joe kept looking at his medal, like, Joe was only 17, and Mackay had three medals by then. Yes. And he says, don't worry, son, if you lose it, I'll give you one of mine, you know? <laughs> that was the sort of guy Mackay was, you know? When we came out of the tunnel with the Chelsea players, he was looking at the Chelsea players yes. and saying, you don't fancy it, do you? And, <laughs> ah, I love it. And that, that's the sort of character we had as a captain, you know? Um, like, the big battle chest used to come out and... He, he just wanted to attack, attack, attack. and uh, He was well, a phenomenal player, Mackay, oh, wasn't he, Gilly? People talk about him he, as possibly... He was the but... heart of the club. He was the heart of the club. Every game he played in, he wanted to win. Yeah. I was playing golf once with him, with Jimmy Robertson, Dave Mackay and me, and we were, we were playing in San Francisco, and we were playing golf. And I was out of it. There was a knockout tournament between the three of us. Coming down the 17th... Robbo and Mackay were level, and it was, came a downpour, heavy, heavy rain, heavy rain, and there was puddles starting to appear on the course. So Mackay got on the green with his second shot, Jimmy Robbo's second shot, stuck in a puddle shot the green. So he says to Davy, like, water hazard, I can move the ball. Mackay says, you don't move that ball. He says, that puddle was there before you played your second shot. 
get on with it. <laughs> that sums him up, yeah. really. And um, that sums Stevie Mackay up. He would never give him, in the like practice matches, in the ball the court. Pitch, a leader. Oh, a leader, Great fantastic leader. leader. He's, he's a guy you want in the trenches with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying that on the ball court. Sorry, oh, I interrupted. In the, in, the bo- in the ball court, oh, I've seen them chin two guys in there. And, and that's just a practising. That's just practice. That's how much he was intent on winning. Was, even was, knockabout. Was that cup final a niggly game, Gilly? Did you, was, no, with, uh, no. Ron Harris and people, were they getting no, well, at you? No, really. It wasn't a niggly. Like it, it, we, in a cup final, it's... Bringing the trophy home, it's all important, you know. Nerves? Did like, you play with nerves at the beginning? Um, Were you nervous? Yeah, I think everybody's yeah. nervous. Because most of the Tottenham team at that time have fought from Davy Mackay and, and Jonesy, who was by then a substitute. Yeah. We, we were all new to it, you know, yeah. and uh, none of us had ever been there, had that experience before, only Mackay, but he and did well to calm the nerves. And Pat, yeah, obviously Pat, uh, uh, Chelsea, we scored, we scored first, didn't we? Jimmy, Robert, was it? And Jimmy, Bo- Roberts Jimmy Roberts and then Bobby Tamblin got an equaliser, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, sorry, Pat. We, we, we were 2 0 up at that stage. Oh, you got one back. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. I was only two. Bobby Tamblin got one, got one off his shoulder, I think. But I mean, I thought. A bit I, lucky, I was, was it, Pat? Yeah. No, he, I mean, I was, it was my fault. I should have done better. So I had a little uh, 10 minute spell panicking at the end. Whenever I look back, I made two or three brilliant saves in the match. <laughs> you did. One, I wish. One, in, one in particular on my right-hand side that I managed somehow to get it over um, the bar. From I'm, Charlie Cook. It's on YouTube. Yeah. You can see it. I've seen but it. But, I mean, amazing. going back, I mean, from my point of view, uh, I mean, it's always nice to get your first medal under your belt. And for me, that was my first cup final. And uh, even the thought, I mean, we played Forrest in the semi-final, Gilly, didn't we? That's right. Struggled against Millwall, uh, eventually beating them one nil. I think then we played Portsmouth, Bristol. Bristol Struggled City, against yeah. Bristol City, I think. Forrest in the semi Twice taken penalty in that match to get through to the next round against Bristol. It was two penalties in that. Saved one. I think I don't know what somebody moved and saved the second one as well. But then we went to Forest, who were a hell of a team. Yeah, they were a good and uh, they actually finished runners-up to Manchester United. They the did. League. So that third. was how good they were. We were, we were third, weren't we? Mackay yeah. that day, do you remember, he, he, he gave a uh, big flank Wignall, put him out of action. I don't know what happened in the match this day. <laughs> but it was a free kick into our box, and Mike England was going to pick up this Frank Wignall. And Mackay said, leave him to me. And Mike said, you can't mark him, he's about six inches taller and he said, clear off, leave him to me. And somehow Frank Wignall was picking himself off, up off the deck and finished the, the rest of the match. Like, wasn't he really strong? Oh, so I won the match, but I mean, for me, then the final, uh, there was another Newry man, a fellow from the, the same street as me in Northern Ireland, a fellow called Peter McParton, had won the cup for Aston Villa, scored the two goals against Aston Villa Man United, 1957. So I could remember me as a kid going to the celebrations whenever he came home. So now I'm getting telegrams from, I think, half of my Newry messages, letters, make sure you bring home another medal to, to Newry. So uh, the pressure was really on. But, uh, so it was a fantastic day to get that first medal. Absolutely. It meant so much then, the FA Cup. Now, you know, you didn't, 
You well, don't know where the game, were, the games are played game. while there's other yeah. league games going. And the pressure, I mean, the Premiership's round the world now. In those days, the FA Cup was the only thing that was round the world from our point of view. Yeah, and we've got an easy yeah. one in the third round uh, this season. We? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, um, in the subsequent Cup Winners' Cup run after we won the uh, FA Cup, there was... I read about in the Martin Clough Adam Powley book, and they're both here tonight, the Glory Glory Knights. There was quite a game in, uh, in Lyon when uh, Alan Mullery was sent off for fighting, and there was talk about it carrying on um, down the tunnel that night. And I believe there was a bit of trouble with you and, and, and Bill Nick. Bill Nick got involved. Yeah, well, what happened, Mullery and a, a guy called Guy... They clashed and they both got sent off. And the referee was going to be sending the wrong guy off in the French team. And I pointed out to the referee that it was Guy who was the defender with Mullery. And uh, eventually he sent Guy off. But coming down the tunnel, there was just an atmosphere there was going to be trouble. And I, I says to Pat, Pat hey, Whenever I came up at half time, Whenever it went off, everybody joined in. I started to run out to get them. They were kicking lumps out of each other. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, the crowd, they beat me to it. They got to it before I got there. So I backed off, and eventually it was all settled down. And whenever I come up at half-time, Gilly's waiting on me. He says, hi, big man, there's going to be trouble here. Will you keep an eye on me? Like, so. My minder. Yeah, my minder. minder. Yeah. So lovely. It was like lovely. distressing. Into the dressing room, Gilly. One of it was like the sidings for a railway station. In there's doors everywhere, like, and I'm going through watching the doors. The next minute, I hear bang, this fella's chin, Gilly. And now, my minder, eh? yeah, the minder. <laughs> so uh, now, Bill Nick, he's in front of me. He's in this guy's on his back, him with a big trench coat, isn't he? Bill Nick fighting this bloke. You saw him, so you know. <laughs> That was a story, Gilly. Uh, oh, that was an enjoyable, enjoyable match. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, the replay, the replay, we got them at White Hart Lane, and this was really funny. Like, Guy obviously couldn't play, and unfortunately, Mike England was injured; he couldn't play. And lo and behold, they beat us. We beat them four-three, but on away goals, they went through. You know, and I can remember coming in and he got a hold of Greavesy and me, Bill Nick, and he gave us a right rollicking. We'd scored four, but uh, the defence had lost three, and we were out on away goals, and Bill Nick blamed the forwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny old world, isn't it? Talk about the. Well, let's talk about sort of 67 now, the, the, the Charity Shield match, which obviously many people here will, will remember or, or, or seen on video. You famously scored. Uh, I think the first goalkeeper to score in open play. You're the first, was you the first goalkeeper, weren't you? To, well, to, had, certainly had, in this country. Yeah, I had never seen it, but certainly seen it done before. And It was a free kick just outside our box, and uh, Mackay was in his run-up to take it. I said, give it to me, Gilly, I'll knock it up. So he rolled it back to me. Give it to me, Dave. I'll roll it up. And I was trying to hit Alan here up front. And uh, you can imagine travelling the length of the field. It's missed Alan. And now Alex Stepney's come out the back of Alan thinking he's going to pick up a miscontrolled ball. And it bounced. And now Alex in no man's land. And the next bounce is in the back of the net. And everybody, including me. (laughs) 
goalkeeper scoring. Yeah, yeah. everybody, yeah. including me, thinks, what does he give? We've never what seen it before. Yeah. yeah. And poor old Kenneth Wilson home, it sort of, he, lucky enough, it was on telly, Community yeah. Shield. And uh, it took Kenneth Wilson home, it's about half a minute, to say <laughs> Jennings had scored a goal. I know, it's, it's and, legendary. Uh, I tell people that I've seen Alex off as lying. You know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I also got to tell you that Mackay claimed an assist. Oh, yeah, great. Um, Alan, well, you, you mentioned Jimmy Greaves uh, being sold to West Ham. Um, you then forged a wonderful partnership with Martin Shivers. With his style uh, of playing, how did you then have to adjust your game for oh, Tottenham? Com- completely different. I went more to, towards the right wing. And it was a different type of player. You know, Martin, Martin was a completely different player from Jimmy. Jimmy was more natural talent, where Martin was training ground. Like if you persevere and persevere, you come good, you know. And Martin had a fantastic shot, strong. He could hold people off the ball and all that, where Greaves, he was lightning fast, you know, dribbling skills. And we, we got on well together, Martin and me, a big, strong guy. And, oh, and Martin Peters also came into the scene, and we were more or less playing three forwards at that time. And uh, it worked well. Obviously, we won uh, three cups in about yeah. four years. Yeah, and uh, it, was a, it was a good team. And <laughs> Martin, Martin Shivers had two wonderful seasons where he was hitting them from everywhere, and they were going flashing into the net. And it was just great to play with him. All right, mate. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Uh, in the late 60s, um, Bill Nick started building another side, which obviously were both linchpins of, culminating in a 72 UEFA Cup win and two League Cup wins, as you've just alluded to there. Um, how did the players in this side differ to previous sides that you played in, previous Tottenham sides? How, how, did, how did it uh, differ and how did the, the style change kind of thing from well, the early... This, this defensively, it was much the same. Very similar. OK, Mackay had left, but defensively, we were more or less the same outfit. Pat was in the goal, Joe Kinnear and Cyril. Mm. Alan Mullery, Mike England and Philip Beale, they, they, they were the strongholds of the team. It was just more or less the forward line that had changed. And we had, we had to change our style because at the beginning when I went there, we had two flying machines on the wing. We had Jimmy Robertson on the right wing and Cliff Jones, oh, fantastic yeah. Jonesy yeah, on the left wing. Quick, and these two guys could take the ball from just outside their own penalty box away from home and take it the length of the park. Yeah. And that, that was great pressure reliever for likes of Greavesy and me and that. But uh, basically the defence was the same, but the forward line changed. Basically because we, we played a more higher balls, we could throw more high balls into the box. We Martin Peters, we was great in the air. Shivers good in the air. And myself good in the air. So there was more aerial stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, actually, notice this is for both of you. Um, you both played with some wonderful players, and uh, and the uh, the whole social culture at Tottenham was well documented by Hunter Davis in his book The Glory <laughs> Game. Did you think the portrayal of the team in that book was was accurate, or uh, were there some players not happy with that the, the Glory Game? No, well, some players weren't happy about it because obviously, if you do the run of the mill things. 
fans won't buy the book. They want yeah, they they want uh, yeah they get the, the, the naughty stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. They want people getting drunk and all that and parties with women and all the rest of it. And uh, what he didn't see, he made up. That's that's how I say. I can remember him saying in the book that on the train back we were only allowed laggers and we always had cans of laggers and we had a card school going. <laughs> Anyhow, there was Mackay and Mackay. Nosy England, me, we used to play cards. And a photographer came on with Hunter Davis, did the book, and there was a load of empty cans of lager. <laughs> and they put them all in front of me and took the photo <laughs> <laughs> away. Oh, so I, I agree, I drunk my share, but not that long. Mate, you know? I didn't so... drink a lot of it, you know? But that, that's how things happen, and they make headlines of it, and in the book it goes. And uh, there you go. What can you do? I, I personally, if I'd been Bill Nick, I wouldn't have allowed the book, you know. But the guy must have sold a lot of copies because there's a load, oh, a load yeah, of fans yeah, from Tottenham. Wasn't there a story in there, Alan, that someone, someone apparently saw you coming, uh, coming out of a nightclub at three in the morning, and someone said, "No, he's going in to the nightclub." <laughs> <laughs> now is that total rubbish, Gilly? I got a reputation. I've got to admit, I, I did my share of nightclub, and that's that's for sure. But I don't know. They probably did see me. I, I, I wouldn't argue that one. Fair to say, I mean, he spent a year with us, so that was the way he seen us. I mean, he described me in the book. He said I was a bag of nerves, and I mean, I was telling you couldn't believe that, Gilly, could you? How could you, how could you say the best goalkeeper in the world is a bag of nerves? <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, but that was the way he seen me. That yeah. was obviously him. And I mean, I can understand because before we went out every match, I'd have been round the same players, round the defence, follow-up, knockdowns, same to the forwards. That was the last thing I said before going out every game, follow-up boys at both ends. So I don't know whether he read that into me being a bag in there. I was there, you know, but that was the way it was. But as I say, he spent a year with us when Ryan interviewed all the players. And, uh, I mean, the book was what it was. But I suppose, as Gilly said, if you, you know, you need to make something interesting for the fans to read. Yeah. But to be fair yeah. to him, that was the way he seen it. So, and it's, um, it wasn't a, a weekend job. He spent a complete yeah. year with us. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, yeah, Gilly, I'll ask you, Gilly, this, the, the, you retired from Spurs in the 73-74 season. And what was, uh, what was behind your decision to retire then? To retire, mm. well, the, the decision came like uh, the pre-season, the, the previous season. We get hard training, it was at Chesson these days, the training ground, and it was really hard, the training. And we were getting laps, and I was always good distance running, you know, I could go forever. And uh, my leg seized up. <laughs> and uh, Eddie Bailey, the assistant uh, manager, used to shout, Get, what's wrong with you? You're been out <laughs> drinking and all that. I says, my legs have seized up. And Bill Nick, he must have gone through it when he was a player himself. He took me aside and he says, right, you don't do all the heavy training. He says, do what you feel like. And I'll be eternally grateful for him for that because he must have gone through it himself. Yeah, yeah. Because when you get 35, 36 or 37, the brain's sending out the messages, but the legs are no reacting. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's the first time you realise you're on your way out. Yeah. And uh, I had 10 wonderful years and uh, 
it was time to go, it's time to go. So you just got and, to accept And you were all right with that decision. I yeah, was you, yeah. definitely all right with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Questions about the... I mean, I think all of us have always wanted to really know, know this. Um, when Bill Nick went, the, the, Terry Neal came in, and then, uh, then, then, then Keith Birkinshaw. We all know what happened... The club sold you to that lot down down the road for a measly a measly forty thousand pounds. What what awesome. tell us that? What was the story? How did you feel? How did that come about? And who who, who should we still be sending death letters to? Who <laughs> who is to blame for what happened in seventy uh, seven? How long have we got? We've got to know. <laughs> uh, uh, no, unbelievable. I mean, as you heard earlier, was Football of the Year in 76, PFA Player of the Year. And I come out the next year and I miss 21 games with a, an Achilles injury. Right. Uh, basically couldn't kick dead balls and the team were falling apart at the time. And at the end of the season, maybe another team, some of the defenders would have said, well, I'll knock it up for you, like, but there was nobody that volunteered to do that. So I left out of the team. Danzy came in for me. And uh, I like to think, looking back, had I played in 10 or 12 of the games, I might have got enough points to keep them up, but something we'll never know. So uh, I'm back fit again about the last month of the season, but by that time we're more or less gone. And I'm reading in the papers every week, Sunday papers, that I'm available for transfer. So last match we're away on on the end of the season tour in Norway, and I thought, Usually I go home to Ireland at the end of every every year for six, seven weeks. My wife, she's from the same place as me, so that was the natural thing. And I thought, well, I need to know what's happening before I come back. I don't want to go home spend the summer in Ireland wondering where I'm going to be next year. So I went to Keith and said, Keith, uh, I keep reading in the paper that I'm available for transfer. What's the story? He said, well, actually, Bobby Robson was in for you at Easter, but he said it was worth more and what his job was worth to let me go. So I knew from that minute on that the right was on the wall for me. So that was it. You can imagine wasn't happy hearing that rejection. Like, But off I went back to Ireland, came home, started pre-season, played in all the pre-season games, and I'm thinking, well, they're obviously going to offer me a contract. My contract was up. So uh, got right up to the last week. There were, the team were due to go to Sweden the next, uh, the next, on the Friday morning for the last week of pre-season. So Keith came to me out in the training ground at 11 o'clock, not half nine or ten o'clock whenever I reported, out on the training pitch, he said, can I have a word? And I thought the word was that whenever you pick it up, throw it there, kick it there, yeah. tactically. like. So he said, right, he said, now that we've decided that you can go, he said, I don't want to take you to Sweden tomorrow, you'll be an embarrassment to Barry Danes. So you can imagine what my reaction was to that. Do you want me to apologise? I've been a good player all these years. So, uh, I mean, he was, I was absolutely gutted, as you can imagine. Like, So I said, by the way, what sort of money are you asking for me? He said, what do you think you're worth? So I said, well, I know what I'm worth, uh, but I don't think the club should be getting it. They bought me for 25, 26,000 13 years ago. And uh, other players at the club bought for 200,000, do five or six years, they give them free transfers. And I said, no, you want to sell me? So he said, oh, it's going to be like that, is it? I said, yeah, what do you think? So that was the course of the conversation. Then the next thing he said, he said, Bobby Robson's ringing you tonight at 6 o'clock. 
I'm ringing you at half six. I want to know where you're going before I go to Sweden tomorrow. And that Ipswich team was a good team. Well, it was just about to become a good team, yeah. wasn't it? That's 76, so, I said to that, well, if you think I'm going to make a decision to shoot you in a half an hour, mm. you've got another thought coming. <laughs> so that was the way it went. And he said, oh, and by the way, Terry Neal's in from you from Arsenal. But he said, I don't think there's any doubt as to where you should be going or who's the best team. I said, well, you can leave that to me as well. Yeah. So that was a conversation. Uh, Terry Neal, to be fair to him, a month before, he's reading in the papers the same as me that I'm available. He rang me and I said, Terry, there's no way I can go to Larsner. Can't happen, won't happen. So I left Keith anyway. That was the way I left him on the training pitch. That afternoon, Bobby Robson rings me. I do the... the do the business with Bobby Robson, literally 10 minutes to go to Ipswich. He was going to let me where I live now. Right. Uh, travel two days a week to train, plus obviously turn up on match days, giving me a two-year contract. He said, you can take it, the deal's done. You don't need to speak to anybody else. Take it, it's done. We're in Holland, and uh, I'll speak with the directors tonight, but take it, it's done. So that was the way I left him. He rang me back in the night. Meanwhile, I've got Man United ring me up. Uh, the little coach at Tommy Cavanagh, you remember him, Gil? He was in Nottingham Forest. He was elsewhere, uh, coach at, with the Northern Ireland team with Danny Blansler. So he rang me up. It's out in the hotline that I'm available now for transfer. So he rings me up, come to Man U for two years. So I said, right, let me think about it, Tommy. Very nice, fantastic, uh, fantastic offer. I had Aston Villa in touch with me as well. Ron Saunders would have come to Aston Villa for a couple of years. So there was no shortage yeah. of clubs. So that was the way it was left. That night, Bobby Robson rings me back. We've got a problem. Trevor Weinmark broke his leg. Whatever money was spent on me, he then had to buy an outfield player. So the deal dip switch was off. So meanwhile then, the next day, I go to the ground to say cheerio to the players because I know whenever they come back the next week, uh, I'll be gone. So I'm through the car park, hugs all the lads that spent 10, 12 years there shake hands, hugs and thanks for the good times boys so they're all on the coach now and meanwhile I'm stood at the side of the coach the directors come up from the office at the bottom of the car park every one of them walked past me totally blanked me not even, not even a phone call from any one of them after that and whenever I went home that day I said to my missus give me Terry Neal's number quick oh, really? there's only one place I'm going and it's over the road where I'm going to create the biggest embarrassment I can for those directors. And that was me. Oh, there you go. There you go. Just to finish, to finish the story, even the day I signed for, uh, I went over with the assistant secretary at Tottenham, a little fella called Peter Day. I've been out and done the medical, walked through the medical. I was still at 32 in the top six at sprints at the club. So I knew there was no shortage of, you know, fitness-wise wasn't a problem. So I'm in the room, I've done the medical, I've come back in, I'm sitting in this room with, uh, with, a, with our secretary, and he said to me, Paddy, are you sure you want to be transferred? I said, Peter, what are you talking about? I said, I'm getting not one elbow, but two elbows here. So he said, sit there, don't sign anything up till I make a phone call. And he went out and phoned Sweden, spoke to the chairman, and spoke to Keith Birkinshaw and came back like a little boy and said, I'm sorry, Pat, I've told them where you're, that you're being transferred, and worse, I've told them that you're at Hybrid. Yeah. And they said, carry on, no problem. 
you know, so you know, we we know the goal is it followed until probably Clemens. I mean, eighty-two World Cup, even played the eighty-six World Cup, yeah. and they had the foresight then to go nah. But I mean, unbelievably, I would never, I, I would never criticise Arsenal. They give me a four-year contract. My team is there on throwing me out, talking them out for 13, 14 years. Uh, I signed a contract, £5,000 a year more. I haven't kicked the ball for, for Arsenal and a four-year contract. And they give me another four-year contract after I'd done the first year. Played 327 games for them. Finished up in four finals. And uh, they do everything absolutely first class. Never have a bad word to say to them. They are a fantastic club. I just wish, I just wish, wish that we were doing Tottenham. I wish that we were doing what what they have been doing. Their successful years. Then we all. And I mean, no, nobody. There's no doubt where my loyalties lie. Uh, I've been at the club 13 years. I actually went back again for another year before the World Cup with Peter Shreves. Spent a year there. 85, yeah. leading up to 86. Whenever I finished off the World Cup in 86, uh, I persuaded a couple of pals of mine to take a box at Tottenham. I was there for the next seven years, seen every home match, hosted this box at Spurs. 93, whenever Ozzy came back as manager, uh, he invited me back to be first-team goalkeeping coach. I went from one day a week to two and three, four days a week. And then... Uh, they brought in somebody to do it full. It was eight days a week job. I couldn't do it at that stage. And I'm still working at Tottenham now with a coaching, on the, on the goalkeeping coaching. With, uh, Perry, uh, work, I work a day, a couple of days a week with Perry Suckling with the, with the academy boys, the young goalkeepers. And thank you. And, uh, I'm involved as well with about eight or nine of the boys on match day, match day hospitality at the lane. I've got a fantastic lounge at the club in my name as well. All my memorabilia is in show there, so there's no, no, no doubt where my loyalties lie. I'm yeah, talking nice about. one, mate. Yeah, we know that. Right. So nice to see after all these years how someone gets so emotional about our club. And sadly, some of the directors we had years ago, and we can argue whether, you can argue whether we've got any better or not. It's up to you. Um, Alan, we've got to ask you, we've got to move on here, and we've got to ask you that to, to, to a lot of people over we're, here, it's we're, a lovely we're only starting, mate. We're only yeah. getting going. <laughs> yeah, go on. Alan, you, you famously sort of, well, the rumours are you sort of turned your back on the game. You didn't go back to Spurs for many, many years. And, and hopefully nights like this show you the esteem that you're, you're held in for, for, for the, the, the wonderful career at Spurs. There is also a, a really good book written about you, In Search of Alan Gilzean, written by James Morgan. I'm sure many people have read. Why did you turn your, your well, supposedly turn your back on the game and, and come into be at Spurs and events like this for so long? I always enjoyed playing football and enjoyed it. Very, very much. <coughs> and <coughs> excuse me. But when I finished, you lose a lot from your life, you know. And I never really enjoyed watching football. I enjoyed playing it. And that was one of the reasons I went away. And I just wanted to try and work out what I wanted to do with my life. And I went into the haulage industry 
and got promoted a few times there and became a general manager for a haulage company. And I thoroughly enjoyed haulage. But football, it breaks your heart when you've got to do, leave it. I can remember going to collect my boots at White Hart Lane and it was the saddest day of my life. When you, when you, know, when you know you no longer can play the game to that high standard and uh, it, it takes so much away from you, you know. And uh, I just decided that I'd stay away for a while. But uh, because of this man here, he was... Uh, I went to a, a reunion game at Dundee Football Club where I started off. And Pat had a friend who he plays golf with, one of a, a band. What was the Snow, name of that? One of the Snow Patrol. Tom one Simpson. one of the Snow Patrol band. Yeah, yeah. And he came and asked me for my autograph. And he said, Pat Jennings would love to hear from you. So I says, I've got his number here, the guy said. I said, well, I'm up, I'll be back at Western Supermare next week. Tell Pat I will phone him. And Pat was the reason I came back down the lane, him and Stevie Perryman. And just recently, Stevie Perryman, the little maestro Greavesy and myself, we, we went to Guernsey to a Tottenham reunion similar to this, and it was a wonderful experience meeting little Greavesy again. He's put on a bit of weight, <laughs> but... Uh, lost half a yard, is he? Yeah, gonna... he's lost yeah. half a yard. And uh, funny enough, he's lost hair. I don't know how he lost it, because he never headed the ball. But, uh, but it, was, it was great to see him again, and he's, he's, still, he's still as lovely as ever. Like... Uh, I had ten, well, I had five wonderful years with him, and it was a pleasure to play with him. Oh, nice one, thanks. Well, yeah. right. And uh, Pat. Well, Alan, Pat, it's, lovely, it's, it's lovely to have you back, Alan. Yeah, lovely to have you back. It's a privilege. A real privilege, man. And, and, and we're crying out for a striker now, so maybe bring your boots on Sunday. Yeah. We've got to wrap this up. Yeah, wrap it up we've now. Well, over yeah. an hour. well. Um, so, um, Pat and Alan are more than happy to have photos and. Any bits and pieces you signed or at the back there? Um, there's some great calendars. Download calendars. VSP Publishing. You want to pick up a book, calendar and stuff and get stuff signed. The girls, none of their still doing the raffle. We're going to do the raffle shortly. Um, for for now, right. for those of you listening at home, um, all the links, uh, spurshow.net, Paddy Power, uh, are doing a special for Sunday for new um, signees. Spurs 5-1 to one to beat Liverpool. Any score, 5-1. to one. Spurs show, paddypower.com slash the Spurs show. Um, we're going to bring Barry from Watford on the stage now. Then we're going to do the raffle. If you bought raffle tickets, there's some great prizes, some stuff these guys have signed backstage. Fantastic. But for now, anyway, you can carry on the conversation in the back there. For now, uh, please show your appreciation. Pat Jennings and Alan Gilsey. Thank you. This show is brought to you in association with Paddy Power. Get a free £20 bet when you sign up and bet a tenner at paddypower.com slash the Spurs show. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.